0: Karen, do you have location on Mr. Luna? I cannot locate Mr. Luna. He seems to be out of range. Ah, he's supposed to be on the boat. Why is he not on the boat? Wait, a transmission just came in. Play transmission. Where are you? I sit here on the rocks of this infamous island, waiting for something. Execution Rocks is its strange name. A lonely bump in the water that exists within screaming distance of the New York shoreline. In a place that is said to be terribly haunted. Yet, I feel nothing here. I came after learning that an evil serial killer once dumped multiple bodies close enough to where I sit. That had I been here at the time of his stolen yacht's nefarious unloadings, I likely would have heard the splashes of a corpse entering the sea. But again, I feel nothing, and I worry immediately that this mission is already lost. We like to think that evil, and those capable of employing it, should be easy to spot. That any place where such evil is said to occur, likely contains some type of residue. After the fact, after it's been doled out, spent, we're all quick to point to it, and say, Hey, there it is. There is evil there is proof that we all must stay vigilant. But unfortunately, the truth is that it's near impossible to predict, because oftentimes those who are made instrument of it know not that they are about to be used. It is likely that evil isn't what we need fear so much as the unpredictability of human beings. There are people and places that we can look back on and confidently write off. Dahmer, the Beliska Axe House, But what of the woman who pushed her three-year-old in a swing for forty hours straight, causing his death? the death of exhaustion, dehydration, shock. What's that all about? Well, mental illness, Mr. Luna. Yeah, okay. Probably. It's just wild that our minds could do that to us, is all. That a loving, caring mother of a little boy could take him to a park, pop him in a swing, and suddenly feel rooted to the spot. Her thoughts, warning her that to stop pushing that swing would mean extreme negative consequence. Through the day she pushed. Through the night. Through the day. A teenager passes on his bike at some point and witnesses the little boy struggling to escape to swing. And the mother stuffs him back in, speaking calmly to her sobbing child. Holding him down in the baby chair that appears much too small. This is the stuff of nightmares. The type of thing I find myself thinking about out here, while alone on these rocks. Alisa Lamb, running from something in her mind at the infamous Cecil Hotel, the same hotel where many had ended their lives by jumping from windows or other means, where strange murders had occurred, where Elizabeth Short, the Black Dahlia, had allegedly been seen at the hotel's bar days before her death, Where Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker, had once checked in. And not the only serial killer to spend the night at the Cecil Hotel, mind you. And now this place is known, not for any of that, but for where young Elisa Lamb infamously ended up dead and naked in a water tank adorning the haunted hotel. Only discovered when guests began to complain of low water pressure. And funny tasting tap water. Hey, while I'm at it, how about the Greyhound bus beheading? A man, again off his medication, suddenly rises from his seat and begins stabbing young Tim McLean to death. Tim fights for his life, his screams sending all passengers at the front door. As the driver brings the bus to a stop on a desolate stretch of prairie road, and Vincent Lee, or the Free Man he's known as now, and Will Baker, cuts young Tim McLean's head off with a Rambo-style knife, then takes to cannibalizing the corpse. He'll spend the next few hours holding the head in front of him like a lantern, pacing the aisle. He's heard speaking to himself from outside, when the sun has gone down, and the passengers stand quaking in the twilight. Watching this horror unfold before them, he's heard speaking to himself, saying that he must stay on this bus forever. Mentally ill, surely. Susceptible, too, by the sounds of things susceptible to something dark and invisible to those of us on meds, or in no need of them? Perhaps? Call me crazy. It kind of feels like it as I look up from these execution rocks. A spot where I was certain we'd find something worth exploring here today. End of transmission. Welcome to Crime Machine, Episode zero. Zero three let's climb a board, shall we? The brackish waters of Long Island Sound lap against the rocks of a seemingly innocent outcropping in the estuary, as they always have. A lighthouse stands on this ruthless-looking isle, like a stiff soldier, a guard that makes certain with an intermittent flash of its eye that no vessel finds itself split on the cold, ancient surrounding stone. It is said that in colonial times, the Redcoats would chain prisoners to the rocks of this small island at low tide and used the site as an executioner's table. If the legend is true, then the condemned would have suffered a terrifying death. One so calm and almost hesitant in its approach, but relentless in its pursuit. The water eventually pouring slowly into an unfortunate's mouth, only to be sputtered back out. Sputtered at first, then spewed, as it continued to flow in at an increased rate, until finally the prisoner's face would be washed over, his eyes wild with air hunger mouth eventually opening to suck in that last helpless gulp that would fill him with despair. It is a lonely place on any day, but this piece of its lore makes it seem even more so. Execution Rocks would witness many interesting characters approach its jagged shores over the decades, centuries. But in the year of 1920, its iconic lighthouse poured its warning out over the water and attracted to it a man on a mission a mission to make of humanity one neck, so that he could wrap his filthy hands about it. These are the words of the infamous Carl Panzram, a journeyman criminal who knew few stretches of freedom throughout his near four decades spent terrorizing planet Earth. Decades that, lucky for him, took place in the early 20th century where a train car could serve as a getaway vehicle, and changing one's identity was as easy as simply speaking your new moniker. Pansram was known for escaping near every prison he'd met, even breaking into one in an attempt to free a useful companion. He was a fearless thief, approaching any home that looked vacant, kicking in the rear door, then striding back out of it minutes later with armloads of loot. He loved stealing boats, was a self-taught sailor, and would use them to ransack others like a modern-day pirate. Cars weren't his thing. They were a newfangled device in Pansram's time. Sailboats, freighters, and rail cars were his modes of transportation, and in his short time he made sure to cover as much ground and spread as much pain as he possibly could. Pan's ram was made of pain, had embraced it early on through the beatings and rapes he'd been forced to endure as a young tramp and a completely indomitable spirit in the juvenile system. There wasn't a whole lot of mercy left in him by the time he escaped the horrors of his youth and began to grow into the mountain of a man he'd become. An unfortunate thing for humanity when, such tremendous hate, ends up packaged in a body capable of doling all of it out in the form of pure violence. Pans Ram is known as a serial killer, but above all else he was a prolific rapist of countless men. Enjoyed stealing confidence and evoking significant shame through the act of sodomy. Lived for that one magic moment when a man's ego deserts him. His spirit breaks and all that remains is whimpering and subservience. His favorite man to destroy was the cocksure sailor, whom he'd invite onto a stolen yacht with the promise of work, then overpower and rob before having his way with them, eventually ending their lives with a pistol stolen from then-ex-president Taft's estate, something Panzram was extremely proud of, as Taft had been directly responsible for sending him to Leavenworth Prison at the age of fifteen, where Carl had always claimed that the last of any good he'd had in him have been smashed out by the older inmates. His criminal history is incredibly long and full of details so outlandish that most say they can be nothing but true. Panzram's name evokes excitement in those who know his tale. His is a case of villain worship that rivals Bundy or Manson in the way many seem to admire his body of work. And my aim today is to tarnish that shine some. I believe Carl Panzram to have been an embellisher. It's certainly not a stretch to say that a lifelong con man, killer, and serial rapist might exaggerate a little if given the chance to tell his side, might finesse a few details in a bid to make a legend of himself. But despite this, I must admit that much of his hastily written autobiography rings true especially his claims to have dumped the bodies of some ten or more brutally-raped sailors just outside of these execution rocks around a century ago. Panzram was the type to glean enjoyment from such footnotes. As do I, I must admit, that's why I was compelled to visit this lonely place. The thought of two fairly well-known stories steeped in lore coming together in such a way feels exciting. Execution Rocks and Carl Panzram share many features. Each appear to be the part that is claimed of them. One, a haunted island with a history and claims that cannot be wholly confirmed, though, are believed to have happened since the setting couldn't be more perfect. The other, one of the meanest looking individuals imaginable, a man who looks as though he could have survived a stick of dynamite being exploded in his teeth. It's interesting how much we claim we want for wicked things not to exist, yet seem to jump on any chance to allow ourselves to be fooled by claims that they in fact do. We shiver at the sight of Pan's Ram's mugshot, or of the forlorn lighthouse and keeper's quarters on Executioner's Rock. Yet we feel nothing when passing the countless seemingly benign spots on this earth where forgotten horrors had once played out. An innocent piece of farmland, say, that was once soaked by the blood of fallen armies. A parking lot. Where the flailing body of a sad soul came to earth in a bid to be released, in a spray of gore. We are quick to be swayed by paranormal claims when the shoe fits, but what when we don't realize that we are surrounded by the potential for dark energy to exist? Do we see and feel only what we are nudged to? Most likely. But that does not mean that what we sense of a place, or a person, should be ignored. Most likely, but that does not mean that what we sense of a place, or a person, should be ignored. Hobos are a proud lot. We're a proud lot. They don't exist the way they used to. Back when the trains ran slow enough for a man to trot alongside and heave himself aboard. The hobo would ride on top, between, even under the boxcars playing a dangerous game. Many were crushed by shifting goods. Some simply would fall off the trains to a graphic death under the relentless metal wheels, drunk, asleep, both. Railway security, known widely as the Bulls, were given free reign to rid the trains of human cargo and would not hesitate to beat a stowaway to death if they resisted. These railway men are often villainized, but their job was a frightening one and they themselves were dealt death on occasion by the gangs of desperate travelers they'd regularly stumble upon while performing their checks. Hobos, though romanticized today as adventurous men searching for work in difficult times, often would steal merchandise from easily compromised cargo containers or just generally cause damage, ripping up floorboards for firewood when winter hit. In the early 20th century, there were upwards of a million men Some women and children, as well, sure, using the trains as a means to escape their destitute birthplaces and search for greener pastures. And they weren't all hardworking, well-meaning, misunderstood types from the movies, no. Some were simply drunken thieves, looking for any opportunity to rob, rape, and sometimes murder. But mostly rape. The bulls would smile when they came across a group of men that were scrambling to tie their pants up with their ragged rope belts. Sodomy was a rampant practice Practiced by some of the more undesirable types of the time And it gave a bull much pleasure To bring his club down on the backs and bare behinds Of what he perceived as the lowest of the low Not just in society, but in hobo society That's pretty low And though homosexuality was certainly taboo in this time It wasn't the act of sodomy itself that was so much despised As how it was initiated in many cases Against a man's will even the bulls on occasion were dragged up into a boxcar and passed around by some of the bolder, marauding rape gangs of the times. It was to one of these boxcars full of lusty hobos that a young Carl Panzram had his innocence sacrificed. Panzram, widely regarded as one of the most brutal men in modern history, was metaphorically born in a boxcar, birthed from a circle of slobbering rapists when he was just a boy on an adventure and destined to lead a life of hatred and violence as a result. The story of Panzram and the pulsing pit of rage he called to heart is largely derived from his own writings, which makes much of it highly questionable, though there is record enough of his claims that many believe the whole of them. I do not, and it pains me to bring this man any more attention than has already been paid through the movies and books that drip with sympathy for a true monster. Pansram has folk villain status as a result of some of his personally written history, even though he raped and murdered at least three children in the midst of all the glorious crimes and experiences he shared to a wide-eyed prison guard named Henry Lesser, whom I can only describe as a super fan of Panzram. prior to his infamous execution. A glance at Panzram's mugshot will likely explain the attraction to his story. He looks the part, stood at a firm six feet or more during a time when such a height would certainly turn some heads. His build, however, ensured that said heads always turned away, as Panzram was made of the muscle only honed through hard manual labor. Breaking rocks with a ball and chain shackled to his ankle was the primary occupation of this lifelong convict, and his accounts of the torture he was subjected to by sadistic prison staff are highly believable, though by the sounds of things, Panzram was constantly asking for it. His escapes were too many to recount, his crimes ranging from petty theft to murder could fill a novel. And have, as I've said already, done so ad nauseum. Imagine a man, allegedly capable of surviving a two-month stint in some subterranean dungeon, subsisting on only cockroaches and rainwater, then coming out looking as though he just cut out carbs for a spell. A man, no, a, a legend, who could take a beating while tied to something called a grunting post and smile as his skin was torn away by the leather of whips. A legend, no, a myth, who claimed to have forcibly sodomized over a thousand men, killing more than 20 of them. This number included six hardened African river guides, apparently, whom Panzeram raped and murdered one by one in the dead of night and fed to the crocodiles while spending time exploring the foreign continent he'd found himself in for a time as a result of being such an adventurous spirit. This is no mere mortal we are speaking of here. And though much of his story is certainly true, Large swaths have been exaggerated, without a doubt. But we forgive this, as, well, it's a hell of a story. Also, Pan's Ram is the proud owner of maybe the most prolific last words ever uttered by a condemned man. Hurry it up, you huge bastards. I could kill a dozen men while you're screwing around. Or something like that. Accounts vary, as they tend to do around these historical moments. Storytellers have a habit of gussying up facts to make them more compelling, or so I've heard. The term Hoosier, meaning a native of Indiana, is, as Kurt Vonnegut would say, a grand faloon. Hoosiers have no real spiritual connection, they just come from the same unique background. Stocks of corn, shotguns, and piles of dead Indians. Carl Panzram used the term Hoosier in a derogatory manner, as if to say they are all the same. His jailers, a bunch of backwoods yokels, turning keys and taking orders from on high. He despised authority as a result of having been abused by it his whole life, but not for no good reason, of course. There is plenty of reason for Carl Panzram to have been executed as he was, by hanging. On September 5th of 1930, still spitting, cursing, and complaining of his lot in life as he was rudely dropped through the trap door of the gallows. We want to believe the dilapidated house down the street is haunted because it appears to be. We are quick to gobble up any nonsense lore around the mugshot of a hard-looking man from a time where the system was unapologetically corrupt. But sometimes you just have an old house that feels creepy because the lights never come on. And most times... When it comes to human beings, you have a bunch of lies puffing up something that's just plain garbage. The creepiest incidents, the eeriest, are the ones that happen unexpectedly. Like with the mother in the swing, or the woman in the water tank, the man in the bus. These things stand out just as much as a lonely lighthouse with a savage history. Though they come with no discernible warning other than maybe some behavior consistent with medication being ignored. That's a can of worms, I know. But there are plenty of us on meds. Plenty of us who have been diagnosed. And yet very few find themselves in the eye of a horror story as a result of having gone sailing solo. It makes one wonder if maybe there are spots around us. Wicked places with dark forgotten history that latch onto those with the guard down and work a little evil through them for sport. I'm not feeling it here. Call me crazy. Crime Machine is a new breed of true crime podcast researched, written, and narrated by Jack Luna and produced by me, the operator. Subscribe to Crime Machine wherever you consume your podcasts and remember to tell everyone what you heard here today. Do you love us or wanting to hear more Crime Machine than everyone else? You can support Crime Machine on Patreon. Become a member by searching for Crime Machine on Patreon or by going to patreon.com forward slash crime machine.